Hello and welcome to the latest Sounds of Sport podcast. I'm your host Matt Solomon and today I'm delighted to be joined by Giles Potter. So Giles is a former strength and conditioning coach turned PE teacher where he teaches at St Peter's RC High School in Gloucester, which makes him the perfect person today to discuss how SNC can be integrated into physical education. So without further ado, it's time to welcome Giles onto the show. So Giles, welcome to the Science of Sport podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here. Great to be invited. Very excited to talk about SNC in education. Absolutely fantastic. So can you give us a quick introduction as to who you are and what you've been up to until now? So my name's Giles Potter. I work in St Peter's, Gloucester, uh, a secondary school, uh, 11 to 18, with a really proud uh, legacy of physical education elite performance um, and more recently we've really been trying to get the participation levels up as well as still focusing on the elite end. Uh, my background is I've got a sports science degree from Manchester Metropolitan University uh, where I had a great couple of years um, working in labs which from a little kid from Stroud in Gloucestershire to this uh, all singing, all dancing lab, as it would have been, force platforms, kinetic, kinematic, characteristics, jumps, and all this was fascinating. Um, and so I was captivated straight away by the whole idea of S&C, finding the smaller amounts that make a big difference. Um, so once I, I graduated, Started working with some rugby clubs, which is what my passion is, on their strength and conditioning, very loosely, nowhere near as sophisticated as what it is now, uh, with some success. Um, and I really enjoyed it. And an opportunity came to work at St. Peter's uh, as a teacher, trainee teacher, uh, where they had a really strong programme for rugby. And I was fortunate enough to be taken on to start the S&C journey. Um, and like I said, it was very basic in comparison to where our current SNC coaches got it to. Um, but we we had a lot of success in that time, and we've kept that going. And um, I see it now from a different side from it, as because I'm a PE teacher, I see it more that way, uh, as opposed to just working with 30, 40 kids. I see it as working with 120, 240 kids, and how they can access it all. Absolutely excellent. So you've got kind of the both both of those backgrounds mixing into each other, obviously the, the sport one and then looking from a slightly different lens now. Um, but when when we take it back to the essence of why you, you're doing all of those things, right? Like why is physical education important for children, for kids? Um, from from a, an educational point of view, the healthier physically, mentally, socially a young person is, the more connected they are to a school, the more likely they are to attend. The more they attend top class uh, lessons, the better their uh, educational outcomes and therefore their potential to have high earning. Um, and you very rarely, or in the majority, and certainly in our context, find kids who come running through a school gate to go to a maths room or go to an English room. You know, they, they have passion around reading and they have a passion around engineering and quantum physics, but most kids will run through the gate to do sport, to do art, to do music, that kind of thing. And that's what they connect with their school. 
And as a school, you want a USP. And St. Peter's, our USP has always been our sport, our art, our drama. So the more we can do that, the greater their attendance, the greater their outcomes. Um, and then just from a health point of view, we know there's an obesity crisis. Um, we know how that can be draining on the NHS and how easy it is to fix. Um, there is temptations with the garages selling two-for-ones on gallons of Monster um, and all that junk. So we know the temptations are out there and our job is to educate them that there are alternatives out there. Um, and when you see, you know, young people drinking that stuff, I find it very sad. But equally, when you see young people turn it away and, you know, pick up a healthier version um, and just talking to each other about it, engaging with each other, because that conversation started in physical education lessons or food technology lessons, then that really is, you know, job well done, I would say. Absolutely excellent. And obviously, that kind of leads into like long term health as well. Um how do you think the the strength conditioning strength conditioning with that physical education can then lead to longer term health benefits is there, is there a role for strength and conditioning within that that system definitely and the the analogy I use when I'm talking about it with Tom here at school is he it works with our elite students so he does sporting aptitude. Um, and through S&C, we can uh, identify maybe the more late maturer. And we work hard on that because we know uh, through growth and different ages and all that kind of thing, um, athletes come around when you least expect it. So I use the analogy of a Formula One car. And a Formula One car is what you're aiming for. That's your elite. That's where... Every bit of technology has gone into it. The best tyres, the best computers, brakes. Well, we if we add a small percent of that into the general population, they get a bug for it. Because once they see a small improvement, and it might just be in their mobility, that mobility transfers into running more comfortably. And suddenly, PE doesn't seem that bad after all when they've been maybe really tight and they've sat at a desk and all this kind of stuff. And then they might just get a little bit of joy out of some mobility. And that's little bit that you've done with the Formula One car. You bring down to your 1.1 litre car that just runs around on the roads. And then gradually you build that one and you soup it up and you soup it up over five, seven years. Um, and that value then they take with them because they know now how good it feels to be mobile and athletic as opposed to maybe sedentary, eating badly. They recognise the difference. Um, so that journey, the S&C, even if you do a small part of it in every lesson, they get huge benefit from. And they just gradually grow and grow until they're a big old muscle car. So it sounds a little bit like you're you're basically teaching them how to be a, a healthy, active adult, right? Absolutely, and that it's it's a journey, and they see you can't help. Young people are going to compare themselves, and they don't recognise that that eleven year old person is just genetically like that at that moment in time. That doesn't mean 
five, six, seven, eight, that genetic person just keeps morphing into a bigger genetic mu. Things change. And we know all about maturation ages and all the, that kind of thing. And then once they, you take them on that journey and you instill in the confidence and you tell them it's not going to be built in one day, you take them on that journey and the number of kids you see that come back maybe after the big six-week holiday in the summer or even a, a half term, and they, they come up to you and they re they're keen to go again because they they've maybe have done a bit in the holidays or whatever it might be, they just recognise it and want more of it. And when they then leave us, I'm convinced, just looking at team sheets that pop up around the area, and even in national leagues and premierships and all that kind of thing, they're still doing it and they still would say it's from what they got here. Equally, you could bump into a kid at a gym and they're still doing it. They might be a coach of it. We had a young lady leave who has set up a ladies only personal training business. So there's, they, there's so many other ways through it that we're not just saying you're an athlete, 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 but it's, there's careers within it. There's a whole lifestyle within it. I think that's that's an amazing testament to what's possible, right? So obviously you've got you've kind of got them captive, and you can say like we're going to do PE because the government tells us to, and we're going to drip, drip this in over the years and just educate you as to how you can basically improve your life long term. And you mentioned things like paying more attention in class and obviously being able to to have access to better learning opportunities and more money, etc couple that into being active, healthy, happy, etc. I imagine that you're able to produce outstanding young people who are ready to, to really attack their young 20s, for example. Definitely. And, and my other role within the school is uh, working in the sixth form. So I'm ahead of year with, uh, they come in at year 12, and then we, we've got to get them to the destination they want to go to. And one of the things that's becoming more apparent to whether it's an employer, an apprenticeship provider, a university, is they want the rounded person with a breadth of interests. So again, we have people, and a young lad left uh, two years ago, plays for Gloucester in their academy, but the university he wanted to go to was so keen on him, they helped him with bursaries and funding it and that kind of thing. So it's it's shows the breadth of this person who wants to go and study medicine, but his rugby is very important to him and it can all be married together. Um, and then you get other people who would just leave, not to do necessarily a sport related course, but they can go to these interview processes, which can be quite lengthy, particularly for your Oxbridges. Uh, the higher apprenticeship routes can be quite, you know, you've got competition for two, three hundred people. And if sports people or people have engaged with us over a period of time, seven years, if we've had them from 11, can hold eye contact because you're integrating with them all the time and you're talking to them all the time. It's not booked down, you know, and, and it's not, there's no gadgets. There's, you're interfacing and communicating with them all the time. So they then go off and they can say, where are you from? What have you done? And you can have eye contact. What do you do when you're not studying quantum physics or politics or whatever it is? I'm, I go to the gym, I hike, I ski, I do. 
they've got this rounded personality that they can communicate because they can hold eye contact because we get them working in sport or in RP lessons together, not just uh, here's a ball, I'm working with these big kids and you little kids are over here. It's everyone together, this mixed ability approach, everyone together working collectively. And that, even though they don't realise it, it does it it does feed into this idea that I can, you know, I might have been this tall to start with. I'm now this tall that I'm left. I've got eye contact, confidence. I'm happy with the way I look, happy with the way I feel. I sleep well, drink well, all that kind of thing. Not a complete nerd that's a robot, but, you know, <laughs> someone who's unique and can voice their own opinions. And it's not just P does that. Like I said, we're in a great school that has the drama, the art, and all the other things that goes on. But PE, that is a really important part of what we do. Absolutely excellent. So <clears throat> obviously to get all of those things, we need to to kind of look at the PE side of things as well. So um, when we're looking at S&C and how to integrate that into mm-hmm. physical education, like how can we go about getting S&C drip-fed into to those PE lessons? Um, again, we did it very prescriptively. So we've had, like I said, I started the journey off many years ago. We've had a lot more sophisticated, cleverer people than me that came into it. Um, but actually, COVID was a really good friend to us because it made us put the brakes on it. Tom was able to really help us understand, like I said, going back to this Formula One car idea, and how can we get a small bit of that in there? So we, one way that we do it and has proven uh, very successfully is the first part of every lesson, The every student is doing the same thing. So we do this, uh, uh, the same warm-up that follows some mobility, some strength, and depending on the time of year, so it's all periodized, developing into some power, some speed, uh, and some endurance work. And then we can get that done in around 10, 15 minutes. And actually, they don't begrudge it because we we don't, we don't take all the competition and the because you can differentiate it all how it needs to meet their needs. But they look around and they're all doing the same. Girls, boys high ability, low ability, everybody's doing the same. So they do a mobility block, strength power block, speed block, running. And that can be 10, 15 minutes of your lesson. And if, you know, like I'm ahead of year, you've got responsibility, a kid in your previous lesson's got a nosebleed, someone's got a note for this, someone's forgotten kit for that. Once you've got the kids in that routine, they do it. And going back to being lifelong learners, they go to a gym, they'll remember how to warm up, how to structure that first block of their work before they then carry on to whatever it might be. But they're in a routine and they're just chatting away. They're working quite diligently because we make sure it's all as we when we've taught it. And they start the lesson themselves. So you get that bit of it. But then there's the Mr. Miyagi effect as well. So you teach them stuff that they don't realise they're learning maybe invasion skills and changing direction skills by just saying, boys, I'm going to be a few minutes late, get a game of Bulldogs going. And that there's a, there's S&C, right? 
And they've been told at primary school, I can't do Bulldogs, it's dangerous. So you think, come on, it's Bulldogs, we've all done this. So off they go and they're mad for it. So you get, (laughs) again, big kids, little kids, all mingling in together. You could have 60, 70 boys playing a mass game of Bulldogs and all these invasion skills that it's just fantastic. So you get all that. So there's a one way. Um, And then the other one that we do and we've taught it and learned it as we've gone, is free running. So free running, um, because gymnastics, the prescribed, the artistic, didn't help anyone. Wonderful and phenomenal athletes, but it wasn't engaging for our students. So we've created free running. Um, And before you know what they're doing, they're doing muscle-ups, they're holding planks, they're doing handstands, they're jumping, they're landing changing direction they're coming up with creative ways of using different equipment and again they engage and say can we do this can we put that and they come up with it themselves and they're on board and they're up there ready to go they're not you're not waiting for them to get them out of of a changing room so there's subtle ways that you can do it without saying today we're going on a cross-country run and it's sideways rain and no one wants to do it really you know, yeah. you can... Top of a hill, minus yeah. 10. Yeah. yeah, up the hill, I'm going to have a coffee. <laughs> yeah. You'll sign the changing rooms like this. Cheers. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, yeah, so there... And you can find ways that makes that fit your school and, and your context that you can do. Um, we, we let kids use, particularly our basketball sports hall. And when you look at it, it, it looks like a health and safety nightmare. If you if you had a high vis jacket, you would hate it. There's loads of games going on, but you get touch wood, very few injuries because they're evading each other, they're looking up, and it's just playtime. It's just play. But they love it. And you get you get kids in there and they've got a full sweat on and then they go off to a mass lesson. Brilliant. Absolutely excellent stuff. So was as a, as an SSC coach myself. Um, obviously I'm, my brain's processing, trying to work out what I can take from this as well. But what do you think then that strength and conditioning coaches can learn from the, the education side? So from teachers who are obviously planning these things, they, they have a, a way of teaching. Um, there is lots of, sort of science behind how to teach certain skills. What do you think that SNC coaches then can learn from PE teachers? Um, I think, and I don't mean this disrespectfully when I say this, because I love sitting with Tom. I love sitting with people like you, listening to it and learning. So I'm an absolute S&C geek. Um, but what I would say is sometimes there's a language that needs to be learned to demystify everything. And sometimes S&C and, and the more scientific ends of any industry can become quite language heavy, terminology heavy, geek jargon. And if you just like, you know, bulldogs, but someone might call it some game that involves cutting and curve running and all this, they don't need to know that sort of jargon around it. Um, and as teachers, we're, we take them on a story and take them on a journey. And I think that's what we're good at. But what we're, where we can come together with the S&C world is is learn and staying up to date with that knowledge. Because like I said, I was very, you know, when I started it all up, 
four sets of 10, whatever's in the mirror gets pumped, and then we're going to do some sprints. But it's far more periodized, logical. So we get that from you, which is fantastic. But we can take kids on a journey and engage them with a language that demystifies it all. Um, and I think that's perhaps where most S&C coaches can come in and learn from us. Um, and that way, I, I do think it becomes more engaging for the young people. And how, how do you think that coaches can best go about doing that then? Because obviously, so sounds great. I want to I wanna go and do that. How am I going to go and take myself from today, day one, through to a, a journey where I can then speak in, the, in that colorful language or take those kids on a, on a story through movement? I, I think how to do it, you just work closely together. You, you, uh, me and Tom, and Tom's, I talk about Tom, he's a Tom Green, our S&C guy. He's very, very open. And he is fantastic at mentoring some young S&C coaches with Gloucester University. But they're quite rigid. They don't listen and recognise that he's got to be different. Um, and again, I mean this respectfully. Sometimes S&C uh, is an elite thing, and it is. The, the first thought of S&C coaching is it's elite. And its endpoint has to be elite. And again, we, we talk about that at school, that we, we won't get every kid through our elite programme to be a full-time athlete. But So we look at the careers options and avenues, exit routes out of it. Um, so sometimes you've just got to park that ego and know it is a journey for those people. And you've got to listen to the way people talk. And that quite often is, I'll go and work, listen to PE teachers in St. Peter's. I'm going to go and listen to teachers now in another school down the road. And listen to, and and you get your network of teachers together, and because that's what I do, my best CPD is going into other schools because I listen to my teachers, I listen to myself all the time, but I don't listen and see how other schools do it. And even if I think, well, I don't like that, don't like the way they do that, I've I've still got something from that, and so that whole language, like I said, cutting and or that, those kinds of terms, like one of Tom's is MDSA. No, I don't. That's multidirectional speed activation. You know, that kind of thing could be just, we're working on running mechanics. You know, it's it can be broken down so, so much simpler. But equally, I need to use language like that because I've got to engage the top end. So it's about meeting in the middle. But getting into schools... Primary schools, how do the primary schools speak to their young people? How do they do it in grassroots clubs? Because our job here is participation in the firsts and then getting to the top of the pyramid. Absolutely excellent. So one, one thing you mentioned earlier was uh, stuff like the, the free running, for example. I'm really interested to hear what a session is like in, in that kind of context. So can you walk us through how uh, a session or um, yeah one one PE lesson might look then, including that kind of warm-up that you mentioned, so the S&C part, how would that then lead into a, a free-running type physical education lesson? Um, so we're fortunate in that our, the, the head of department and the local uh, 
network we've got with a gym club. So our gym, our, our really, our, everyone will remember it, an old-fashioned sports gym, wooden floor, gauge splinters. Well, that's all covered up with a sprung floor, a gymnastic sprung. So we've got a fantastic base that's already very springy to give them any uh, power to jump and move. So we're very lucky with that. Then we've got lots of soft box tops. So that fear of crashing into anything's removed lower down. We've got the big wooden kit. We've got frames that, that we can change the heights of. So we've got lots of fantastic equipment. To take you through the journey of a lesson, so we work through blocks of six weeks and we work on the fundamental that everything starts with a good forward roll. So if you can get that orientation around a good forward roll, then that idea can turn into all sorts. And that good forward roll is better than a bog average, dangerous handspring over a really high box. That, so we really impress upon them the quality. So you get that gymnastics message. You get the message of removing fear. And you get this message that that basic movement is better than not landing a, a handspring or a somersault. So we work through that. And that might take a couple of lessons. Because at the same time, we're working on them being upside down. So we get them learning to be hands, doing handstands with partners. So it's this whole idea that you're going to be disorientated. You're going to be upside down and you're going to be moving at speed. But we do it very safely over the first... And then we say, right, and it's literally the Mr Miyagi effect. Let's do it over this level of box. This le So in the first two lessons, they are now rolling over a box that could be two-thirds their height. What they've then generated is they've learned how to take off from just doing it on the floor. Well, they've got the same footwork, but they've learned to generate the power to get up and over a box. And then all we do then is just throw as much kit in a rough, <laughs> safe order, and they come up with then how they might get over it. And then the higher they go, you're saying, right, remember how a handstand and a forward roll could go together and you get the handsprings. And then we say, well, that's not enough just doing it on its own. How can you link it with something else? And then they go from that handspring, they orientate themselves, they've landed, we call it budge up, heels down, off, and then they link it to another movement. And this whole circuit then just evolves. Um, but we're quite mindful that we don't have lots of cues we don't want kids queuing so you won't see anyone uh two or three maybe but we won't have big so we make sure there's lots of stations of all the same thing um and then by the time you finish that six week block they are probably on the move around the circuit for 20 25 minutes um so they've had a really good dose of uh, of aerobic energy, aerobic work, plyometric work, strength work, without realising just how important it is. And one last thing, which, you know, you go back to how it can all be linked together. We, we are very uh, good at how each sport transfers from the other. 
So when we do our free running, we are constantly linking it back to how it might help them slam dunk. So if you've got a basketballer who thinks, what's the point of all of this, but I'm going to be better at slam dunking, they're in. The football, yeah. who the very precious footballers who say, I can't do anything else. Right, well, you're going to head the ball better and score goals like Ronaldo. They're in. You know, and they you 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 channel that narrative as well, which is really important, which I think S and C people could do as well, going back to that previous point, is the narrative of how it's gonna help in your sports, even if it doesn't look or feel like your sport at the time. Because we get that my kid can't do weights, my son can't do this, my West Brom have told him not to you know, come on. Come on, if you're stronger, you're more resilient to injury. Trust us. Um, and, and yeah, you get a better relationship that way. Absolutely excellent. So Giles, massive thanks for your time and efforts today. It's been a pleasure talking about it and I really enjoyed it. So can I, is there anywhere that people can find a little bit more information about you and what you're up to? Um, you can find me on Twitter, uh, gpotter7, at gpotter7. Or you can follow us here at uh, St. Peter's, St. Peter's, at St. Peter's Sport through Instagram. Absolutely excellent. So, Giles, massive thanks. It's been a pleasure talking and I look forward to speaking again soon. Thank you very much, Matt. Great to be here. Cheers, mate. Bye. And that's it once again. A massive thanks to Giles for all of his hard work on today's podcast. I really appreciate it. I'm sure you do have it too. Before you leave, I want to point you in the direction of the Science of Sport Coach Academy. The Coach Academy is an overgrowing library of sports science courses which are broken down into bite-sized chunks. So if you enjoyed today's podcast and you'd like to get some more great sports science information, you can get yourself into the Coach Academy completely free for the next seven days using the link in the show notes. And what's more, every time you complete one of the courses, you'll get a certificate of completion which can prove your ongoing education. And if you've enjoyed today's podcast, it'd be fantastic if you could recommend us to a coach, a colleague, an athlete, or a friend. That means that we can keep bringing the best possible guests and best possible content. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks from me and Matt Solomon of Science of Sport, and I'll speak to you next week.